As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to episode 12 of I Am Steve R. And I am Steve R. And today we're going to break down the process of working the fifth step of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is pretty much synonymous with other programs, whether it be NA or CA or Sex Addicts Anonymous, no matter what your your drug of choice may be, the fifth step is a very, very important step. Give a little bit of review if we can. Last episode, we talked about the fourth step and how to thoroughly work a fourth step. I had several of you reach out to me and say, you know what, Steve, I've never heard anybody put it quite like that. And uh, that's very rewarding for me because I want these shows to be very, very informative, but also too educational. I had one young man reach out to me and say, you know, Steve, I've always been intimidated by the fourth step, so I've never done one. And he goes, but after hearing the show, it doesn't seem to be so daunting. That's very rewarding to me because that's what I want these shows to be about. I don't want you to look at the, the 12 steps and think, man, you know, and as the big book says, what in order? I can't go through with it. Yes, you can. And so I think if we break it down and I kind of speak in a language that we all understand, it's easier to maybe kind of bite it off into chunks that you can swallow. And so if you recall with the fourth step, I said, you know what, you need to get a worksheet out. I'm a firm believer in using those worksheets because there is something empowering and also stress relieving and writing things down. You write them down, you kind of take ownership of them. Because for me, a lot of times too, especially being a professional writer, you know, I'm constantly have things on my mind. And, and when I write them down, it frees my mind to focus on something else. Then I can kind of work back to that and I say, oh yeah, I remember this. And this is why it was important to me. But also, too, you're kind of cleaning out the closet and you find more and more things there. As I shared with you guys before, doing a four-step is just kind of like having that deep, murky pond, right? And so the things at the top, the things that we allow the world to see are the things that, you know, we're kind of giving them permission at the same time, too, saying, oh, yeah, I'm really messed up, man. Look at all this stuff here. But we're kind of using that as a coward's camouflage for the things that are really eating our lunch. You know, it's a pain that we're used to, so we're able to kind of demonstrate that and show that to the world because there's a deeper, darkest, darker secret inside. 
Listen, we are not well, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. I've shared with you guys many times on this show, we're not bad people trying to learn to be good. We're sick people trying to get well. And so if you're working through these steps, you're not well yet. You're on the road to recovery, and you're on the the road to wellness, but you're not well yet. The fourth step is one of those things that really is a stumbling block for a lot of people because it is the first one that really requires serious work. So if you have completed your fourth step, and by now I hope you have, let's talk about the fifth step because this is a huge part of it too. There will be things you uncover in your fourth step that maybe perhaps you have hidden for a while or perhaps buried. And there's some things, you know, we we say, listen, I'm taking this to my grave. Okay, that's going to get you drunk. And why do you want to continue to carry that around with you too? No matter how bad it is, no matter how painful it is, you know, let's get that crap out. Let's get it out of ourselves, get it off our spirit, get it out of our minds, get it out of our hearts so we can begin fresh. And so if you have been painstaking in the fourth step and you have really been thorough in that, you're ready for the fifth step. So let's break the fifth step down. And let's, I've got a few things we're going to read today too. I know I I hate being read to, but I'm going to read a couple things to you because I think they're important. The first one is the fifth step itself. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Well, the first two seem to be pretty easy, right? Admitted to God. And listen, if if you are not a religious person or perhaps you're an agnostic or an atheist, you're basically just admitting this to your higher power. Whether your higher power be the river outside, whether it be Mother Nature, whether it be the AA as a whole, whether it be the, the great recruiting guru in the sky, whatever. Whatever your higher power concept is, whatever you can stomach right now, that's who we're going to go first. I'm admitting this to God, my higher power, and saying, listen, I did these things, and kind of here is my ownership in this. The second phase of this, and this is all kind of, kind of goes hand in hand with admitting these things to God, is we work through that fourth step, and we begin to kind of read that. We're going to take ownership of our issues here. Admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Well, what exactly does that mean, Steve? the nature of our wrongs. Well, basically, we're going to go through all these things that are giving us problems, and we're going to say, you know what, this happened to me, and here's why I did it, and here's what I did, and if I am ashamed of it, I'm going to make amends for it later. If I'm a victim, I'm going to seek help for it. But we're not going to hide it anymore. We're not going to keep that stuff buried within us. The big book talks about being happy, joyous, and free. This is a big part of that. How can I reach happiness? How can I reach joy? And how can I truly be free if I'm still hanging on to the entanglements that once pulled me back and robbed me of those things? So if you're ready to stop being a prisoner to your baggage and a prisoner to your past, the fifth step is going to be a big step in kind of freeing yourself. It's almost like, you know, the founders of AA are kind of reaching back to the, you know, the the sands of time and handing us a key to let ourselves out of jail. And it is up to you. You're not being held prisoner by anything other than yourself. It's important to fully appreciate that. It ends when we're ready. 
Now, there may be some situations that we may require some, you know, perhaps some professional help for. I mean, some people have been through some serious situations that require, you know, some counseling of sorts. And that may not be the case for you. But you will find the fifth step to be extremely cathartic. Now, there are a few things I want to say about this because the, the really the last part of this is the part that really makes people uncomfortable. We're admitting to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Well, Steve, who do I share that with? The first thing that I'm going to tell you, and you may see things a little bit differently, and that's okay. I, I still love you. We'll still be friends. I'm going to tell you, there's a couple of guidelines I think you need to have here. Number one, it needs to be person of, of your same sex. Needs to be a person of the same sex. And let me tell you why that's important. If we're going to get out here and we're going to share a lot of things from our sexual history, I think it's best for both parties to be of the same sex. Or at least be of the same persuasion. You understand what I'm saying? And I think it's important because I don't know that I would be fully comfortable. And, and to, I'm going to be completely off with you guys too. Uh, maybe it's because of the fact that I was essentially raised by women for the most part. Uh, you know, growing up, I always kind of felt like I could trust women a little bit more. I, I learned a little bit later in life that that wasn't always the case. So I was a lot more comfortable, you know, going and talking to my grandmother or maybe talking to my mom. You know, my mom was always one of those, you know, moms that you know would make things right. My grandmother was the kind of woman I could always call her even as a grown man, and she'd say, baby, it's all going to be okay. And so because of that, there was a comfort level talking to women about these things. But if we're going to talk about our sexual dysfunction, it's probably better if we do it with somebody of the same sex. That, that's my personal opinion. That's not written down anywhere. I don't think that's a law or anything. But that's one of the things that I would share with you. I, I believe that's the best way to go about it. The second thing that I'll tell you is I don't think that you should be, it should be a member of your family. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, I think we're going to probably withhold some things out of fear of judgment. And there are some things, that, listen, I'll be honest with you, there are some things that my family doesn't need to know. And you can say, well, Steve, I thought we were being honest. Well, we are being honest. Being honest with myself, I'm admitting the nature of my wrongs. But there are some things, you know, that, you know, that there are some things that would be very harmful or hurtful to my family you know, even, you know, 29 years later, I mean, there's really not only I'm an open book, I'm pretty transparent. But back in the beginning, I wasn't ready to talk about those things. And so if I'd have had to sit down with a member of my family and share these things, there is no doubt I would have held some things back. You know, kind of a self-defense, kind of self-preservation to kind of protect myself or perhaps protect the relationship. Because nobody in my family truly appreciated at that point you know, how deep down the path I was. And so I simply wasn't ready to be honest with them about all of that. Now, I have been, you know, over the years since then, you know, but when I only had a few months, you know, of sobriety under my belt, you know, the thought of having to sit down with somebody like that, especially with a parent, you know, because you think these are the people that have disciplined my whole life, and I'm going to sit here and confess all these things. And at the end of the day, that's what the fifth step is, is, is a confession. I know a lot of people like to, to depend on members of the clergy. And so, you know what? These are people that constantly hear about other people's uh, issues. And, and the truth of the matter is, is, you know, what you're going to be able to tell them is not going to be sh- anything shocking to them. They've heard it all before. I've had some people say, you know what, sometimes it's better not to uh, maybe have a fifth step with a member of your church. 
I don't know that I agree with that. I think every situation is a little bit different. But I know some people have di- that have used people of different faith. Uh, when I did my fifth step, I actually used a Catholic priest. I'm not Catholic. But for some reason, that just made sense to me. I said, you know what? This guy is a priest, and, you know, I've done some really, really bad things. And I'm sure he has heard some people say some really, really bad things. And so I, there was a comfort level with me. I said, I'm not going to shock this guy. I know that he's not going to sit in judgment of me. This guy is, a, you know, a man of the cloth. This is a guy that will say, hey, listen, you know, God forgives you, my son. And I, I wanted to hear that. I wanted to, to know that I could be forgiven. And so that appealed to me. Somebody had kind of mentioned that and said, hey, you know what, you know, Father so-and-so, uh, he's done some of these fifth steps before, so he's, you know, he is recovery-friendly, and so he would be happy to do it. And so I set aside some time, and it took much, much longer than I expected. But I was very comfortable with that. And so it's important to kind of get that together to do the step work ahead of time. Because you don't just want to go sit down and have an impromptu meet with somebody and say, hey, I need to talk to you about some things, and they don't understand kind of what's taking place here. There are a ton of people, and I would say the overwhelming majority of people do their fifth step with their sponsor. And usually by this time, you have developed such a rapport with your sponsor, and you've already shared some of your story anyway, so there's, there's probably a comfort level there. You know, for me, I guess, you know, and maybe just because I've got all this, uh, you know, this grandiosity, you certainly didn't know at that point. I just felt like I needed to have a big event. Does that make sense? I just felt like, you know what, this is the fifth step. I don't want it to be just like another phone call or another face-to-face visit with my sponsor. I just felt like it wasn't that I didn't trust my sponsor. I just felt like this was, this was what I needed to do for me. So whoever you choose... Make sure they're aware of what's going on and then make sure that you have a comfort level because you're going to be laying down some things about yourself that are going to be incredibly personal because basically what we're going to do now is we're going to read them the fourth step for all intents and purposes. Now, there is also a handy fifth step worksheet you can use. I'm not so much in favor of that as I am the fourth step worksheet because you know, the fourth step is basically a written exercise. But if you want to do that, maybe to just kind of get some guidelines, look at that, that worksheet and say, you know what, this makes sense to me, then use it. But basically what we're going to do is we're going to sit down with this person. And for some of you, it might take an hour. For others, it might take several hours. But these are going to be some of the most important hours of your life. I cannot undersell that aspect of this. Now, there's a couple passages here I want to read from the big book because I think they're extremely important. There's a reason they're in the book. It's one of the things that I used to always tell people. Like, there's a lot of people out there that write books about recovery. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to write one too. But a lot of people write books about recovery. And so we read books about recovery, but sometimes we forget to read the book about recovery, which is the big book. So I think it's important. Sometimes you got to go back to the source. So this is, I don't know what version of Big Book you have. You know, they've updated here in the last uh, decade or so. But um, this is from page 72 and 73. It's specifically about the fifth step. So, and I quote, We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Let me repeat that. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking or drugging 
or sexual deviancy, whatever. Time after time, newcomers who tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Let's go and stop right there. Let's expound on that a little bit. How many secrets are you keeping right now that uh, maybe you're not ready to admit to somebody? And hopefully you wrote them down in your fourth step. So if you keep those things and you hold them in your heart, you are basically circumventing the process. Because the things that we want to hang on to hang on to us. And so it's important that we have a very, very thorough closet cleaning here. Empty it all out. You're going to be amazed at what's still in there. You got to get it all out. Because the things that we hang on to are the things that will get us drunk. They're the things that led us down the bad path in the first place. There is some pain that we can't process. So now is the time to do that. Now is the time to do that because now all of a sudden, you know, everything else that we've done, steps one, two, three, and four have essentially been for us. They have essentially all for us, but you understand what I'm saying? We haven't had to share our work with anybody. And so this is the first step in us kind of cleaning out the closet and sharing this with another person. And again, there are some things out there you're going to say, I'm I'm carrying this to my grave. And you know what? You're going to be there sooner rather than later, if that's the case. Trying to avoid these humbling experiences, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the Western program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. You heard that? You heard it right, right? So people have gone through the fifth step and stuck with the program and then gone on to work later steps and then yet they still failed. And it's because they didn't properly work step five. That's how important it is. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. Now, you're not hurting anybody but yourself when you don't do that. It's not a situation where it's like, okay, well, I'll keep this to myself because I can handle it. Well, apparently you can't handle it because your best efforts got you here. Returning to our text, they took inventory all right, that's your fourth step, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. But they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. Now, how many times have we gone through life and something has happened to us that has just been too difficult to talk about? Whether it be a breakup, whether it be something that we've done, maybe something that happened to us. You know, there is a lot of sexual dysfunction in AA. And a lot of that stems back to sexual abuse. Sadly, there are a lot of people in the recovery community that have been abused, whether it be physically, sexually, mentally, emotionally, And that is a difficult thing to talk about. But let me tell you, as I've told you before, you are not at fault for that. Now, you will be at fault if you hang on to it now. This is where the fault kind of comes in. If you continue to try to battle this thing by yourself, when you go out and get loaded again, it's not going to be anybody else's fault but your own. Now, that's probably some things you didn't expect to hear today. But what brought you here... The victimization that perhaps brought you to this point is not your fault. If you choose to hang on to it, that is. I think that's, there's an important distinction there. 
you know, at this point, we kind of transition over from being a victim to being a volunteer. If I have a process with which I can go through to you know, empty this from my soul, to kind of rid this burr from my saddle, and I choose not to, then I am essentially choosing the pain over the progress. It's important to fully appreciate that. If we truly want to be free, we've got to be completely open when we do this fifth step. Now, when I went and sat down with, uh, with the father, I was really nervous. I mean, I really was. Even though I knew, okay, this guy, listen, I'm not going to make a, a priest blush. My goodness, you know. This guy's heard it all and done it all and seen it all. But it didn't take long before I kind of realized at the end of the day, it really didn't matter who that person was. Because I wasn't performing. I wasn't trying to impress anybody. I wasn't sitting there to tell any, you know, any fish tales or anything like that. This is about me taking my own inventory and saying, you know what, these are the things that I have done. And I am not, I'm, I'm not willing to exhibit this behavior anymore. I am ashamed of some of these things. I am scared of some of these behaviors that I've exhibited. But I want this behavior to be behind me. And so I sit down, I'm, I say everything, and it wasn't no time that all of a sudden, once I kind of got, got, got comfortable and I realized that he, that he really wasn't going to judge me, it was so much easier than I expected it to be. I began to just kind of spit it out. And then what's amazing, too, is like once you realize the other party is not going to judge you, it's incredible how deep you're willing to go. But again, it's not a performance. And I think it's important to understand it's not about going deep. It's about going all the way. Absolutely everything. You can't hold anything back. Now, there is nothing in life more freeing than than being able to be completely honest with another human being. Nothing. Because for me, I mean, I'm a firm believer in the old saying, we're only as sick as our secrets. And I was really sick. You've heard me talk about that on the show many times before. I was really sick. Because I held that stuff in, I held it in, I held it in, I held it in. I didn't realize how much it was eating my lunch. You know, it's kind of like antifreeze in, in your soul. You don't realize that you're kind of rotten from the inside out. And so it's almost like going through an exorcism. Because here's the thing that happens. I know a lot of people kind of equate, you know, alcoholism and chemical dependency with, you know, the work of the devil, whether you believe in that sort of thing or not. There are some evil toxins that get within us. But what happens is, is we start having this little voice in our head that says, oh, don't tell them this. They won't understand. They won't understand. They won't forgive you for this. They're going to think you're a freak. And then you get out of there and maybe you've given, you know, maybe 90% of yourself and you feel better. But you don't feel free. Maybe you feel a little bit lighter, but you've still got some weight to hold. And I think one of the biggest parts of this is understanding this is for us. This is about our recovery. It's not just a means to an end where you go in there and say, okay, well, this is the fifth step. I got to do all this stuff. I got to come in here and talk to you so I can get to the sixth step and eventually they'll give me a chip and I can get out of here and go back and doing what I'm doing. One of the things that I've shared many times when I go to treatment centers 
is I tell those guys, listen, don't get, um, you know, don't get short timer syndrome. And what I mean by that is, I wish I had the gift of hindsight back then. Yeah, I was just ready to kind of get out. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I just, I listen, just let me know what day I'm getting out. We'll be done. I'll be good. But I wish that I would have taken full advantage of the professionals that were around me that were there to help me. Because there were some things I brought with me. There were some things that maybe I wasn't ready to deal with then. And I wish in hindsight that when I had, you know, my group, when I had my counselors and, you know, I had uh, these addictionologists and people like that, these professionals that were around me, I wish I would have been more forthcoming because it took me years to kind of work through some of those other things. And I think in many ways, probably delayed my true recovery. Didn't shorten my time, but it took some time for me to kind of deal with those things a little bit later. And I worked through them with my sponsor. But I wish in hindsight that I would have been, you know, brutally honest about everything. I mean, nowadays, if somebody asks me, hey, Steve, what's going on in your life? I, okay, well, here you go. Here's what's happening. Because I have learned that by letting it go and by giving it up, I take away its power. It doesn't have this power over me that it once held. And so when you do your fifth step, it's very similar to that. When you have that person across from you, anything that you hold back could be deadly. Absolutely deadly. Because what's going to happen is that spirit of evil we talk about, the disease of, of itself, is going to feel like it has won a small victory. It's say, yeah, I know she went in there and she said this and she said that and she slept with this guy and that guy and she stole from work and she did all this and she, you know, she pawned this and pawned that. But you know what? She didn't tell him about this. We know we got that. We can always got the, we always got that card to play because she didn't let that go or he didn't let that go. He kept this thing back. You know, when he had that extramarital affair, perhaps he had a kid outside of wedlock. We know that's always going to be our issue. We know we can always come back to that. Whenever we want to beat up on him a little bit more, we'll just go get him about that deal there. And so rather than let those things hold you prisoner, and allowing them to have power, you got to confess it. We talk about confession being good for the soul. There are a lot of times I wish I could just go sit with a member of the clergy. And I guess there's no reason that I can't. And I say, you know what, here's what's going on with me. And sometimes it's good just to have somebody else across the room for, you know what, I say, I understand. I love you anyway. You know, God will forgive you. Allah will forgive you. Buddha will forgive you. Whatever you believe. But what this disease does, more so than anything else, is it, it convinces us that we are dying of terminal uniqueness. That nobody could ever understand our pain. Nobody could ever understand our plight. Our pain is unique. No one's ever felt like we have. We're too sick. We're too bad. We're too poor. Too wrong. Too drunk. Too far gone. That's what it tells you. But that's not true. So why buy into the pain by hanging on to those things? Because listen, it's easy to get out there and talk about the things that people already know about. You know, it's like if, I, if I'd already been arrested. So, you know, the, you know yeah, I'm going to talk about that too. But, you know, what, what is there to confess if it's already a matter of public record, right? Well, 
I don't know if you know, but I got a DUI. Yeah, well, why? Well, I like to drink too much. Okay, why? Well, I just always have. It's just kind of extra fun. Okay, why? Well, I don't know. I just started drinking when I was young, and I saw my daddy do it. Okay, well, why did you do it? It's not about your dad. Why did you do it? Well, you know, I just never felt like I was uh, one of the guys. I always felt a little bit different. Well, why? And you keep drilling that down until we get down to the core issue. You know, it's not as simple as, oh, well, you know, I just had a drinking problem. No. No. You don't just have a drinking problem. You got a you problem. You got a you problem. I have a you problem. My you problem used to be a whole lot worse than it is today. I still got some character defects I got to deal with. I'll deal with those the rest of my life. I don't have as many as I used to. And they're not the stumbling block for me they once were. But sitting down and being open and honest with another human being was one of those things that kind of allowed me to realize I'm not so unique. When it was over with, you know, the priest comes up and he hugs me. I mean, and I'm an emotional basket case at this point, right? You know, because I'm getting to the end of it. And to be honest with you, I didn't want it to end. Because it felt so good to just get all that crap out. Because I would sit there and I would tell him something and he would just kind of nod his head and smile and say, yes, I understand. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. And I was just sitting there thinking, I get chills thinking about it now. It was just like, I'm not so bad after all. I'm not so far gone. I'm not some rotten person. Because now I've got the acknowledgement of somebody else that has no reason to lie to me. I mean, I'm not paying this person. And so it's like, hey, it's okay. It's okay. And that's deep down what we all want to hear. Because when you start spooning this stuff up, you're going to think, well, you know, if I tell them this, they're going to think less of me. And you know what? They're not. They're not. Matter of fact, they're going to be proud of you for being honest. We talk about in the infancy of this program about this is a program of rigorous honesty. This is where you really test that, that concept. It's in your fist step. Are you ready to be rigorously honest? Or are you just going to be half-measured honest? You're not hurting anybody but yourself. And so when we work through this step, and I'm sitting there telling this priest about this, and then when it's all over with, he just jumps up and he hugs me. And he told me he loved me. And this is after I sat there for hours telling this guy about all the things that I stole, about all the women that I slept with, and all the married people, all the married women I've been involved with. You know, and it's like, I'm sitting here thinking this guy's going to tell me, you know, you know, pull a cross out of his pocket and say, demon out. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened at all. And I'm sharing you my own experience. And he comes up and he hugs me and tells me he loves me. He goes, I love you and God loves you. And I needed to hear that. Because I'd been so estranged from God. And, and again, the higher power concept. Don't, don't let my higher power be a stone block for you. But it was a part of me at one time. I thought, well, God can never forgive me for these things. And it's just what the disease and the enemy wants you to believe. I can never be forgiven. I can never be whole again. That's what we tell ourselves. And so we have to kind of reverse that line of thinking. And so that's a big part of this, about being able to share this with another human being. It's because all of a sudden that we find that all these secrets that we have kept buried away because we think nobody will ever understand, 
aren't nearly as deep and dark as we think. And listen, some of us have done some really awful things. But you don't have to serve a life sentence for them. I guess unless you killed somebody, and then maybe you deserve to. That doesn't mean that you still can't find some joy and forgiveness. I think it's important to kind of understand that there have been tons of people that have gone before us that have exhibited the same behavior. I mean, you can go back in biblical times, and my goodness, you know, David, uh, you know, David fell in love with a woman that he saw naked. Next thing you know, he had her husband killed so he could be with her. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. She got pregnant, had a miscarriage. You know, there's a lot of karma involved in all that. But there's nothing new under the sun. There's, I mean, it's like, well, that's one of the things for me is like I begin to begin to think like, you know, late in my, in my drug and using career, I just kind of thought, I said, you know what, this is, this is who I am. This is how I'm going to die. I'm content to die this way. And then all of a sudden, as I begin to get sober and get clean and the, and the clouds kind of get pulled back, all of a sudden I realize there's so much more to life. And I saw these people in these rooms of AA and they looked to be so much happier than me. I was like, how are they so happy? Are they on something? You know, is, is there some, you know, maybe when you complete the 12 steps, maybe they give you Xanax, I don't know. No, none of that's true. They were high on life. They were happy to have been come, become, you know, disassociated with their, their old selves. They had found a new way to live. And I was envious of that. And so I thought, well, how, well, how do I have that? How do I get that? This is how you get it. You work the program. It's a very simple, simple program. But it's also the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. Because it involved me being honest with myself. Because the most dangerous lies that we tell are the ones we tell ourselves. And the thing about those, I'm so scared that I believe them. It's like it's one thing to lie to my parents or lie to my you know, my relationships and people like that. It's one thing to lie to them. It's another thing when we're alone at night, we're laying in bed, we've got to get honest with ourselves. 
And we start saying, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I can handle it, I can do this. And we start lying to ourselves and we convince ourselves that we can do this and you know, we're smarter and we can outsmart the world and that we won't have consequences because we're too smart and too cool or whatever. But that just hadn't wasn't the case for me. But as I began to see these people go about their lives, and all of a sudden that they just seemed to be so happy and so successful, and a lot of them didn't have a whole lot, but they were happy. And they had a spirit of enlightenment that I just didn't I didn't possess. And I wanted it so bad. I didn't want to go back to being, you know, around all these dismal people that were going nowhere in life. They always talk about stick with the winners. Well, I, I, it was easy for me to identify the winners because they were completely different than me. Completely different from me. There sometimes I would show up at those meetings with a sense of obligation. It wasn't too long after that I began to make it the best part of my day. I couldn't wait to get to the meeting because I've never gone to a meeting and left feeling worse than when I came in. I have always felt better after going to a meeting. Always. Whether it be a Zoom meeting, whether it be a meeting with recovery friends at a home or at a meal or, or an, an actual AA or 12-step, slow-rate recovery meeting, whatever. I, I've never left a meeting feeling worse than when I came in. Because there is this reminder that I'm not alone. But when you get on the backside of all this and you begin to look back and say, you know, oh, you know, look at what all I've done. And all of a sudden, this, there's something spiritual that happens through all of this. There, there is the hand of the higher power in every step of this process. And so if you cheat yourself, you cheat yourself. But if we are painstaking in this phase of our recovery... Our higher power will honor our labor. There is not a self-inflicted wound that you, can, that you can create through doing your fifth step, if you do it correctly, that your higher power is not going to help you heal. I mean, the wound is already there. We're just going to pull the scab off, and maybe we'll actually heal this thing once and for all, right? And so I don't want to ramble too much on about this, but I'm going to give you a quick recap. Be honest with yourself. Get your fourth step out. Use that as a guide. If you want to get the fifth step worksheet, do that too. Make an appointment. Find somebody. Say, listen, I want to do some step work with you. And you go get it done. Try to get somebody of the same sex. Try to get somebody that's not a family member. If need be, get a sponsor and have them do it. You need to have a sponsor anyway. But for me, it just, to me, it made it a little bit more official that it wasn't with my sponsor. And, and again, that may sound silly to you. Some of you guys may just feel like, you know what, I'll do it with my sponsor. I know there's some sponsors out there that kind of insist upon that. I'm not one of those. I just don't want it, I want it to be done correctly because I want you to be happy. And there are some of you that listen to this and say, you know, Steve, I just can't do it. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Because if I can promise you the things that I, there are things I've admitted to you guys on these shows that you know the enemies of Steve R would you know take that information and say you know what this is what he did and I just just tonight I had somebody on Twitter trying to beat me up about some things that I admitted in a story that I wrote one time about recovery I said oh yeah Steve well you said you wanted to kill this guy that turns you in you know what I did I did want to I don't today I have forgiven him 
I've forgiven him personally years ago. I don't carry that resentment in my heart with me anymore. I'm not going to be beat up for that. And so, well, you said you wanted to have the most colorful drug history of everybody. It's true, I did. I don't anymore, but I did. And they can say, yeah, well, you used to brag about robbing these stores. Well, that's not true. I never did that. I never bragged about any of that. But I did it. I own it. I paid my debt to society. And the judge didn't give me a life sentence. He gave me some jail time in the red program, and I went and did it. I don't owe anybody anything. I paid my restitution. I paid my debt at society. I will not be browbeaten for something that I did when I was 19 years of age. It's not going to do it. And so I'm a different person today than I was back then because I have worked the steps. My thinking process has changed. My value system has changed. And so now when people look around at me, and I have people tell me this sometimes too. They say, you know what, Steve, I don't know what you got, but I want to get it. And I said, well, it's easy to get. It's not anything that I bought. It's not necessarily anything that I was born with. It's the skills that I developed to work in these steps. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want the show to run over for very long. But I didn't believe in the steps in the beginning. I didn't. I'm being honest with you. I didn't believe in them. I thought, you know what, this is a bunch of crap. It's not going to work for me. And I was already making excuses for my own future failure. But I didn't believe they'd work. And so I had a sponsor that basically told me this in as many words. Hey, try it my way for 90 days. And if you're not completely happy, I'll gladly refund your misery. And here we are over 29 years later, and I hadn't asked for that refund yet. And so I have lived this. But it's not as simple as getting it by osmosis. I had to do the work, and so do you. There are a lot of people that say, you know what, Steve, I don't know how you deal with all this. I don't know how you, what you've gone through. And I, you, you speak about it so easily. It's because I've spoke about it so often. And that's the thing about the fifth step that I think is so important, is we heal by communicating. And we heal by establishing a connection. And so if I can sit here and honestly tell you the things that I have done and admit the exact nature of my wrongs and not be judged for it, I'm that much more likely to talk about it again with somebody else. I have had some people do some absolutely rotten things to me in my life. I have. Some very, very painful things, and we've all gone through that. It is, it is not a, a unique situation at all. It is a shared experience. And when I talk about it, people sometimes say, you know, Steve, it's like you're reading a book report. And I think a lot of it is because I have dealt with the issue. I have dealt with the grief. I have dealt with the pain. I have processed it. I have owned my responsibility in it. And there's an old thing my my buddy Thermos used to say, name it, claim it, and let it go. Name the problem, claim your responsibility in it, and then let God have the rest. And that sounds really simple, but it's always helped me. It's like, okay, this is the issue. This is it. This is what's causing the problem. Here is my part in it. And then I'm going to address my responsibility in this, and then I'm going to let God do the rest or the higher power, whichever whichever you're comfortable with. And so I'm not going to let you and your bad decisions hold me hostage. I'm just not. If we're in any type of, if we're in a business relationship or a manic relationship, 
whatever situation that we're in, if there is a dispute between us, there is a problem between us, I am not going to be responsible for both ends of the deal. I am only going to be responsible for my part in it. And I'm going to be honest and forthright about it. And if I owe you amends or apologies, I'm going to make them. But I'm not going to walk around the rest of my life being responsible for you and your bad decision. Because I've made enough of those myself. I, 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 don't, I don't have enough. My shoulders aren't broad enough to take mine and yours. I'm not going to let you off the hook. You know, I am not afraid to continue to live. I'm not. And one of the things that's one of the great gifts in recovery is you finally reach a point when you realize there is nothing left to fear. And that's the bigger part of this whole thing with the fifth step. It's like, you know, if I go ahead and admit these things, then nobody can beat me up with them. You know, if I put these things out here and say, you know, listen, you know, sponsor or priest or whoever, this is what I've done. And because of the fact that I'm willing to admit this to you means that I'm willing to deal with it now. I'm willing to address it. I am no longer allowing these things to live rent-free in my health and spirit and head and whatever. I'm going to acknowledge these things and I'm going to put them out there because I refuse to let them have power over me any longer. That is an incredible way to live. Just think about that for a second. What if we lived our lives in a way that, you know, we weren't scared for anybody to look through our phones or go look through our search history on our computers or go look through our, you know, our desk at work and you know, find out we're not hiding any things. It's so great to be able to live life without having to have secrets. Now, there are some secrets that I keep for other people, but, and, and those are good secrets, right? I mean, there are people out there that they confide in you and you, you need to kind of help them. But I don't keep painful secrets and I don't keep sinister secrets myself. Because I don't want to give anybody else the power over me either. You know what I'm saying? Because if I'm involved in illicit behavior or negative behavior, if I'm involved in that, and then I've got a co-conspirator, I've given that person power over me. And so when you live your life in such a way that, you know what, I can do what I want to do, I can say what I want to say, and I'm not going to keep or hide anything from anybody other than a confidence, but I'm just not going to live my life in a way that I've got to keep deep, dark secrets from anybody. It is an incredible way to live. And it is one of those promises that uh, have been fulfilled in my life that I never expected to come. I always thought, you know what, i got to be kind of guarded and protect this and protect that. And Man, just let it go. I mean, I did it, right? I mean, chances are any of these things in my fifth step and fourth step, people, somebody already knows anyway, right? Somebody already can turn to state's evidence against me anyway. You know, so who am I kidding here? And so I think it's important, as always, to get those things out of there. Because, listen, I want you guys to be free. I want you to be happy. I want you to wake up every day and say, you know what? I don't have this feeling of impending doom because nobody out there has the goods on me. Because there's nothing to know. There's nothing to know because I've acknowledged every bit of that. And I've put that crap behind me once and for all. That's exactly how you need to feel. And when I wake up in the morning, God willing... I'm going to put my foot on the floor, and I'm going to say, you know what? Well, my feet, I do have two. I'm going to put my feet in the floor and say, you know what? I'm ready for whatever the day brings because I'm not going to get blindsided by anything. You know, life still happens to me, but I'm not going to get out there and live a life where I've got to constantly look over my shoulder like I did when I was a drug addict. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to live life that way because God gave me a second chance. And who am I to 
to take that for granted. Well, no matter what you're dealing with in life, no matter who's eating your lunch, no matter what life's throwing your way these days, I want you to know that you're not alone because I'm right there with you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.